Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony All right, welcome to the Mainstream Mavs Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? And today, we will be continuing <laughs> our draft profiles with Ozier Thompson and Grady Dick, two of Jaren's favorite players. Jaren, could you give everybody a bit of uh, debrief before we get into this podcast over the guys that we'll be going over here today? Yeah, you get the... Uh... The well, no, not the not the off-brand brother and the Thompson twins, but you get Ozzer Thompson, who could potentially be one of the highest potential players, but also probably has a pretty high bust potential. Uh, and that inside that top ten, and you also got Grady Dick, which the Mavericks, I believe, have already listed out as a top ten pick, or at least that's sort of the rumors. Um, even though they did actually have him in a team workout, I do believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, two players, uh, Ozzer Thompson, definitely more defensive minded than Grady Dick. Grady Dick more of an offensive talent, but um i guess just depending on which way the mavericks go like i i wouldn't be a i wouldn't throw it out entirely that the mavericks could pick grady dick at number 10 uh just seeing how the sort of uh trade market shapes up but um you know i'm not totally opposed to it and i i guess like this will be our podcast explaining why but uh i do know that he is very quick to be sort of thrown under the bus and look if i'm being honest and i think we'll we kind of share the same uh sort of feeling here like Grady, I mean, he's honestly not as bad as a player as we really thought. Um, he has some potential upside on defense as well, and uh, I know, like I said, we're going to discuss this on the podcast. But um, I wouldn't, to- I wouldn't uh, totally opt him out of a Mavericks contract. I wouldn't be opposed to it. So I guess that's what I have to say. Yeah, no, definitely. He actually has a little bit more upside in some of his more underdeveloped areas, and I think people would give him credit for. Um, just for both of these guys, I guess, just give a b- brief description of their game before we go ahead and get into the podcast here. Yeah, Ozer Thompson, definitely more of a sort of defending, uh, almost wing-type player. Uh, has a little bit of a playmaking upside as well, but uh, definitely on offense, you know, you're going to get a little bit more of the flash rather than consistency is what it kind of seems like. Um, he's going to be those kind of guys that could potentially put up 20 and then put up a little bit uh, as far as like a five-point game the next night. So, uh, But the defensive sort of consistency is what sort of lies he could be uh or at least he's been outlined as the potential best player uh on the defensive end of this draft him or taylor Hendricks has sort of been uh the sort of debate and then also you know with grady dick this is uh, much more of an offensive talent as i mentioned before um and an amazing three-point shooter and also just an amazing off-ball sort of player uh to have on any team he would definitely be a guy that would be uh extremely awesome to surround with luca just regarding the offensive style and then defensively, he's, you know, a little bit more long uh, with that 6'9 frame, I believe. Um, definitely has a little bit more of a, a longer wingspan and can use can use that to his potential uh, or use that on his defensive side um, if everything does click. But then again, you know, these are two players that should be uh, maybe not Ozzy Thompson, but uh, for sure Grady Dick, they'll be more available at that 10 area rather than the previous three that we did talk about earlier. Um, but yeah, these should be more gettable guys um compared to the other three like i said so we'll see who's available at number 10 and uh, you know what the mavericks do of course with that pick but uh grady dick i think will be available at 10 and alder thompson will be a little bit more of a stretch but i wouldn't be surprised if he goes past 10 yeah definitely um it'll be interesting to see as we continue to do these draft profiles 
um, you know, because we're kind of starting from the top. Um, once we start covering those guys in the lower echelon, if the Mavericks were to possibly trade back for a pick, um, maybe some certain guys that we'll start profiling even in the 14 to 20 range, even though the Mavericks are at 10, uh, just because of the volatility of what could happen with their pick. We're going to be doing our due diligence for, you know, a pretty large uh, portion of the first round here. So you can catch more of that in the ensuing episodes we got coming out uh, for the rest of these week as we continue to do these draft profiles for you guys. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaron. So starting off here with Ozair Thompson, um, you know, this is a guy that played in the OTE league last year. He was one of the guys that did not opt to go to college, you know, played a lot of EYBL uh, leading up to that. Obviously, we see the evolution of the, you know, overtime league and all these different outlets for players who may not want to go to college. You know, we saw that route with Jaden Hardy who has been, you know, pretty wildly successful here on the Mavericks after spending a league with the a year with the G League Ignite, of course, at the NBA's developmental program. But this overtime league, uh, we the Thompson twins are kind of headlined uh, and showcased here as some of the, you know, really first people to come out out of this overtime league straight to the NBA. Uh, I guess the first question I have for you in regards to Ozier Thompson before we get even into you know, it, before we even get into, you know, the sort of dichotomy between his, you know, positives and negatives as a player, do you think that the lack of competition in the overtime league uh, is giving, you know, people a false sense of hope for either of the Thompson twins here? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it possibly could. I think that there's definitely questions that should be answered or uh, that should be asked rather. Um, but, you know, again, I mean, these are two guys that are just like they're they're gifted freaks right here uh i mean their their bodies their athleticism like they're absolute freaks at this level um i'm not really quite sure like what their high school rankings were or anything like that but i mean they were good enough to uh i guess opt into i don't know if it's pro pro-am or if it's professional i'm not quite sure of ot i'm not like sure of those sort of intricacies but um i do know that a lot of up-and-coming guys um or former college players are playing in that so i would you know potentially say it might not be as good as the g league per se um, but it could be a little bit higher of a league than compared to the NCAA or college. Um, cause well, again, I mean, there's are... a lot of high school kids in it too, though. And is there, okay. Yeah. yeah actually, I mean, I don't know just from what I've gathered a little bit more, especially watching them play. It just seemed, especially defensively, like the effort wasn't as, uh, to, to me as college. Yeah. To me, I think it, cause it is a shorter season. I believe it's 15 games and then playoffs. Um, so to me, I think it's sort of the first half like if you could compare it to anything probably like the first 20 games of the nba season where you know the team sort of chemistry isn't quite there yet uh guys are still figuring things out but the the good players are sticking out and i think that's kind of what ote sort of is to me uh because again i, I you know i'm not quite sure how, how or how long their camps are or anything like that but um it kind of just seemed like there was a draft the season was happening and then uh you go and play in the finals and i believe that uh it was like the city reapers whatever the uh amen and Ozer played for um, I believe they won the championship um, in OTE, but, you know, I, I think that that's more of a sort of, you know, you have one year to prove it sort of thing and they proved it. Uh, so I, I'm not going to take too much out of that for them. But again, I mean, there could be some concerns there, uh, like chemistry wise, um, you know, availability coming in the league, pro readiness. Uh, there there could be availability or there could be questions there. Um, but I mean, with these two guys, with what we've seen on tape, I think uh, there's enough said there. Um, and I mean, like I said, like these are two athletically gifted, uh, freaks, 
And uh, I mean, they're they're all around great basketball players. Ozer, of course, being an all around great defensive player. Yeah, no, most definitely. Both of these guys are, you know, the ultimate sort of, you know, three and D filler prospect, um, you know, archetypes. Right. Um, Even though, you know, both of them are still, you know, somewhat developing that that playmaking aspect and shot creation aspect of things, even though, you know, Amen has probably transcended Azair in that aspect. You know, these are still two guys that, you know, could come in um, and be, you know, transcendent um, talents in terms of their potential. Um, both of them, obviously, you know, got a lot at stake here in this coming draft. Azair, you know, he's definitely, I think, a little bit more conservative in terms of his game compared to Amen. Um, maybe doesn't, um, you know, try as much offensively. Maybe doesn't, you know, handle as much of a burden. But nonetheless, he arguably is an equally talented player, uh, just in a different sort of way. What, uh, you know, different, you know, differences are we going to see from his game compared to his brothers? Yeah, I mean, with his game, uh, I would say Amin is definitely more of a offensive talent, uh, more of an offensive guru. And with Osver, you know, he's definitely more of a defensive guru. I think there's really no negatives outside of possibly the the uh, occasional effort play. Um, I don't think that there's any negatives inside of his defensive game. Definitely, you know, as his sort of rookie season sort of prevails, there'll definitely be more questions and more of those sort of questions will get answered. Uh, but, you know, from what we can see on tape and what we can see in the OTE league, there was really no holes in his offense other than sort of, you know, a weak side shot blocker, like things that his body isn't able to do. Um, like the the for what he's probably going to be, what his role is going to be, I think, you know, it was dang near A+. Plus. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think outside of the occasional effort plays, um, you know, he's much more of an offensive guru. I'm not quite sure on Amen's game. I know, you know, he's much more of a like sort of top five lock. So if I'm going to be honest, I haven't really looked too much into his game. Um, all I know is that he's much more offensive, offensively gifted uh, compared to Ozer. But um, I really don't think their games sort of spread apart too much. I think, um, like I said, outside of, you know, occasional shot making um, and maybe a little bit playmaking, like I think that's probably the only thing that separates them or at least consistency-wise. Um, but, yeah, I do know for Ozer that, you know, offensively the things that sort of make him a little different is he's a much more, you know, he's a, a very half-court-driven player uh, in the sense that he's he, he knows the half-court sort of system very well, very well, uh, which I think will honestly bode him well in most NBA systems, um, and especially Dallas's because we saw them before Kyrie came in with the slowest pace, and I think that they could find some sort of balance there um, if he was on that roster, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, outside of that, his, uh, playmaking, you know, definitely needs improvement, uh, shot making a little bit uh, sort of creativity wise. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's ready to sort of take that leap. He's just much more of a sort of developmental, um, sort of project rather than Amen. What would you, uh, you know, you talked about Azir's half court, um, sort of readiness. What would you kind of attribute to that? Is, is it because of his cutting, um, his ability to attack off a closeout, uh, his shooting. Um, what what makes him so dynamic in the half court? Yeah, I mean, he just understands the spacing very well. He understands the sort of cuts that are needed um, and, you know, just sort of off-ball movements that are needed. I think he's much more of a team player. Right? Maybe not team player is the right word, but much more of a sort of role player in that sense where, you know, he's not going to take the leads. He's not going to sort of be that star. So he's going to be, you know, the guy that you sit next to, Luca Kyrie, 
Um, and he can, you know, play really well off of those guys. And I think that's sort of what the Mavericks do need. Um, so if he were to fall, that would honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to taking him at number 10. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he just understands spacing. He understands, uh, you know, where everything needs to be, uh, timing cuts, sort of plays, everything like that, that aligns with the spacing side of the ball. Um, he understands that he's honestly, I would say in this draft, one of the better sort of half court guys, uh, maybe outside of Grady Dick, who, you know, is just an offensive guru. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, he understands that very well. Um, and even in transition, you know, he's a very well, a very talentedly gifted uh, transition passer. Um, I think, you know, on par with maybe not Josh Green, but, you know, I could see him work up into those levels where, you know, he's pushing with guys like Jane Hardy, Josh Green uh, in transition, which we saw those two really go to work last year is where we saw them sort of separate their game uh, from some of the other Mavericks. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, transition uh, half court wise, like he's definitely much more of a project player on that side of the ball. Um, but yeah, you know, where he hits the stride is definitely defensively. Yeah. Um, obviously both of the Thompson twins have kind of made a label off of, you know, the, the, the sort of archetype that I referenced earlier, these, um, you know, extremely non one dimensional three and D wings, which kind of sounds counterintuitive because you're like, well, wait, you know, is this guy basically just a, a playmaker or a, at this point? But I mean, these guys, you know, are, are tried and true in terms of, having the the sort of archetype that we see in terms of, you know, some of the more elite two-way wings in today's game. And, you know, their their body, of course, I think for both of them is still developing a little. Uh, but I wouldn't say that it's um, as lackluster as a lot of prospects their age. And, you know, more, you know, often than not, I think most people would carry the opinion that they both have NBA-ready bodies. Obviously, the only thing that, you know, in, in Azir's case that – where, where he kind of veers away from that sort of label in terms of, you know, being the, the ultimate two-way wing is, you know, his his lack of an outside shot. He shot uh, 31% from three in catch-and-shoot scenarios last year. How is, uh you know, his development going to translate that, uh, it, going to translate to the NBA level in, in regards to his catch-and-shoot three, uh, especially in a system, you know, with multiple dynamic playmakers like a Luka Doncic or potentially even Kyrie Irving if he were to resign? Is he going to be able to, you know, develop that as as young as he is in the in the coming years, or do you think just based off his shot mechanics and what have you that you kind of see him this this being a guy that is never able to become an elite shooter? Yeah, I mean, I think that this uh, he's young enough to develop a shot, uh, which is definitely on the upside of his sort of top ten pick potential. Um, but yeah, I mean, you do bring up a good point. You know, the the lack of an outside shot especially for the role that he's expected to play um, if he were to get, if he were to go to Ma to uh, Dallas rather, um, you know, Luca's already here uh, and possibility uh, or there is a possibility of Kyrie resigning. Um, you know, he'd have to take much more of a step back in the sort of active department. You know, he's not going to have the ball in his hands as much. Uh, he's not going to be able to run plays through his hands as much uh, compared to what he did in OTE last year, but um, he's definitely going to have to take a little bit of a step back there and he's going to have to, definitely develop his shot. I think uh, if he wants to be successful in this league, rather for anybody in that matter, um, you know, you're going to have to develop some sort of consistency uh, from the three-point line. Uh, and just in general, I think, you know, his sort of talent is, maybe not talent, but his sort of um, ceiling is sort of capped from where his offensive game sort of ends. Um, you know, his three-point shot isn't quite there yet. Uh, even whenever he has the ball in his hands, it's sort of lackluster at times um you know driving angles are a big question 
you know, how how can he get to his spots? Because he, he's had a little bit of a question there uh, coming into the league, of course. And I, I think, you know, if you can develop half of that, of course, going into this rookie year, like it, it would bode him really well, um, especially being in a system, like I said, where, you know, there or where you said rather, uh, where there are going to be two, or possibility of two ball dominant guys uh, that you're going to run the offense through. Um, to see him sort of walk, work off of those guys is probably going to be key. Um, and especially in the shooting department, if he could find, uh, again, some sort of consistency from three, uh, that would really bode him well and probably his career progression uh, extremely well. Yeah, he honestly seemed like a bit, a little bit better of a pull-up shooter than he was from catching three um, when we watched, you know, some of his draft profile breakdowns. And, you know, a lot of those positions, he did look um, like his base on his shot was just a little off. Um, I, I, if I recall correctly, he almost like did like a little like heel click kind of thing, but he does get really good elevation on his jump shot. And I mean, the mechanics aren't like egregiously messed up. It's, it's, you know, really just kind of to do with his legs there. I think that that is something, you know, as young as he is that he can definitely attend to, um, and improve upon. Now, if that's going to hurt the Mavericks in year one, especially if he, you know, is in a starting role. If, you know, his defensive upside is enough to bolster him into that starting lineup. Uh, I think that that remains a, a really good question. If the Mavericks, you know, could afford an individual in that lineup who at that spot, you know, couldn't shoot that. I mean, especially with Luca and Kyrie's, you know, dynamism in terms of being able to, you know, get those corner shooters and those guys in the wing, um, you know, those, those tailor made, uh, sort of ready passes right in the, you know, the shooter's pocket to where they can just go up. Um, it, it's a different sort of uh, level of speed and, you know, just action, I guess, more so than he's used to, uh, especially as he kind of spearheaded that OTE squad last year uh, with Amen, right, uh, where where they're basically, you know, the primary ball handlers every single possession. So adjusting to that, you know, as a lot of rookies have had to do, uh, will be a big drawing point. But both these, both of these kids, in terms of the Thompson twins, uh, seem uber motivated uh, and, and extremely disciplined in terms of you know their work ethic, um, especially hearing some of the stuff in regards to like what their you know how their parents raised them and everything. So I, I wouldn't doubt that he, you know, could definitely develop in, in that area. The question would just be, you know, would it hurt the Mavericks um, in that you know brief time that he is you know, still, you know, working through a rookie role on that from that aspect. Right. So we'll just have to see how that plays out um, going forward. But this guy is obviously one of the more dynamic defenders in the draft. Uh, me and you went on to label him one of the better, def uh, better defenders in the draft. You know, a couple of the guys we did last podcast in terms of Jarius Walker and Ta Taylor Hendricks would maybe have something to say about, but uh, in terms of, you know, being a, a complete, uh, just tried and true wing defender, a guy who can, you know, really just lock down anybody at the point of attack because of his lateral quickness and speed, um, it, you know, as well as be a, a great help defender in the half court and a really good off ball defender, you know, with the ability to, to pick off passes. Um, what are we going to get in terms of, you know, if, if we were to add this guy, you know, to the, to the wing for the Mavericks, um, how much um, issues does that mend? Um, in terms of, you know, one of the more, you know, just I don't know how to say this other uh, than with like disgust, but uh, one of the more just atrocious wing defenses in the league last year uh, that allowed a lot of slippages, 
um, at the point of attack, just guys being, you know, getting beat on single dribble blow buys, things like that. Uh, how could, you know, as dynamic as Ozer is in terms of, you know, his ability to hedge and recover um, and, you know, honestly kind of just fly around the court. That's kind of his, his defensive style, um, and especially with his speed at his size. How much could he mend some of the Mavericks, you know, current uh, outlying defensive issues? Yeah, he, you know, on the defensive end, he seems much more of sort of a floor journal, uh, similar to kind of what Dorian was. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to be that good in the league, but uh, I definitely do think immediately he will mend a lot of sort of holes that this team does have, a lot of questions that this team has. I think that he answers those and he'll fill those holes in very well. Um, and yeah, you know, as you said, his sort of screen navigating um, defensively, his his length, um, his ability to kind of just take control uh, just kind of be not a freelancer by any means, but uh, he is sort of everywhere on the defensive end from what we could see. Very um, switchable. Uh, yeah, very, very, very switchable. Uh, that's probably honestly one of his more underlooked sort of, uh, not achievements, but underlooked sort of abilities is he is very switchable from one through four rather. Um, that mm-hmm. could yeah, I'd really, agree. really pose a good threat too. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that ability to be switchable, uh, his ability to sort of take over, kind of be a general almost will definitely bode well in the Mavericks system. Um, and not just defensively, but also offensively. That's going to lead to a lot of opportunities on transition. Um, and we've seen, you know, some guys sort of shine brighter than others on that, on this team. And he would definitely be one that shines bright in that scenario. I know he hasn't played a game in the NBA, but I can already sort of predict that through what we've seen in the highlight tape. Um, but yeah, you know, as we said, his he's got a high IQ for a sort of player at his age. Um, he was able to lead, him and Eamon were able to lead them uh, like I said, I believe to a championship. Um, and again, you know, as we said, there's definitely questions regarding his pro readiness. Um, but yeah, I mean, they led the, that team to a championship, um, which I think definitely has something to say for what kind of player he is, what sort of leader he could possibly be. Um, but yeah, on the defensive side of things, as we said, um, I think he's going to come in immediately and make changes possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was that that was probably the worst aspect of the Mavericks defense last year was their wing defense. It was just atrocious that funneled everything inside. And, you know, our rim protecting defense was of course as awful as it always has been. Um, and it didn't help that we had a very, very shit uh, sort of defense on the perimeter. So I think he would definitely uh, mend a lot of those, not saying he'd be the total sort of answer, but I do think that he'd come in and make an effect, uh, a positive effect rather in day one. Yeah, I, I would definitely tend to agree with you uh, in regards to all of that. What do you think in terms of his offensive game? You know, like, can he definitive what what exactly could he definitively improve in terms of his offensive game? We obviously talked about, you know, some of his flaws, how he uh, could potentially be, you know, more limited, just kind of overall coming into his NBA career um, in that regard. But he does show a lot of promise in terms of, uh, I guess, just maybe his basketball fluidity. He's uh, a very fluid player. Everything that he does looks good. He's he's kind of like one of those guys, if that makes sense. So, like, what areas, you know, show promise, but, you know, are definitely, like, cause for comp- improvement at the same time, you know, specifically areas that if he were to develop, um, this guy could be, you know, a real sort of all-star force, um, you know, later in his career if he were to hit. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think one of those has to be shooting, as we mentioned before. I won't go too in detail in detail uh, into that for you know obvious reasons, but um, not just that, but also his playmaking. I know you know in transition, he's one of the better playmakers in this draft. 
but if he could find some sort of half court, you know, sort of playmaking ability, I think that that would bode him really well. Um, I wouldn't even list him as a one dimensional player coming in this league. Um, but you know, there definitely is concerns there. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if he was in the Maverick system, of course, I think that he would definitely be one of the more sort of, uh, multi-tool, multi-facet kind of guys, uh, on this roster. Um, and you know, I think, you know, coming in immediately that would, we, we would see those effects, uh, you know, offensively again, I think his lack of shooting would almost make him more of a playmaker, uh, would make him more of a off ball cutter, uh, something that this team just doesn't have enough of. So I think, you know, that what this team doesn't have, uh, he'd definitely sort of fill. Um, not saying he, like I said, you know, he wouldn't be the answer day one, uh, but he would definitely sort of be a, a standout role player within the system. Um, and yeah, as I said, you know, I think uh, driving angles, it, just sort of like the more of the fundamental things uh, is are the things that he could improve on shooting, uh, driving angles, as I said, uh, getting to his spots, making intentions clear, because there was sort of a lack of a, a lack of aggression, I think, uh, or not uh, um, a lack of aggression, but sort of just effort plays, um, sort of discipline plays, like things like that, where, you know, they're coachable, um, uh, granted some effort. And I, I think, you know, if they can find that sort of ability, I think that he could definitely be, um, you know, one of the more multifaceted guys, as I said before, you know, we've always been pining for, the DeAnthony Meltons of the world. We've always been pining for, uh, you know, the more, or uh, I guess, or rather less, you know, one-dimensional guys on this team. And I think that he would definitely be uh, one of the first out of the gates to be that sort of multifaceted guy that we could use. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, honestly, I know we're kind of getting into his role here, but I think that he probably would start day one. Um, there might be concerns there, but I think that you know he'd probably start day one if he was drafted with that tenth pick. Yeah, I mean in regards to what I think he could, you know, improve upon. But, you know, like I said, it still does look like a fluid process, even on a lot of these misses uh, would definitely just be, <clears throat> you know, how he sizes guys up one-on-one and, you know, his, his kind of his just decision-making process. Um, I wouldn't say he has a weak handle because he can get really flashy with it. And, you know, he's a really good dribble package, but um, when he is getting hounded by a defender that has a tendency to kind of fall apart, he doesn't have the strongest arms with the basketball. Um, so that, that kind of goes hand in hand in terms of like being able to get to a spot, like you talked about and just getting a little bit more creative, especially with inside the painted area, um, how he can use angles to his, his advantage to, you know, fake out defenders and get to the rim, things of that nature. Uh, I do think that he may have re- relied on athleticism a little bit too much. Uh, trying to get to the rim and you know it led to some sort of wild attempts where you know he contorted his body midair and uh, you know kind of swooped his arms around you know trying to make a layup things like that Um, but in terms of you know how that's going to translate to the NBA uh, it's going to be a lot harder to pull that sort of you know stuff off guys are a lot better at pulling the chair they're not going to you know concede into giving you that contact that you want you know they're going to take a charge a lot more often or, you know, or they're just, you know, kind of get a get out of the way and, you know, make you think twice about the decision you made. So, you know, we'll we'll see, you know, how much hesitancy versus, um, <clears throat> you know, like sort of a affirmative uh, aggression and assertiveness he's able to kind of uh, establish, you know, especially in terms of his driving, because I think that 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 will be a big like day one sort of thing that he can um, improve upon the most his rookie year, you know, because the shooting. Uh, will probably kind of come and go throughout the year. 
And that'll be something that we'll just sort of appreciate uh, in terms of, you know, as time kind of goes on, but that his, you know, his driving game, I, I think he's just so good of an athlete that that could improve, um, you know, throughout the coming months of his rookie season. Um, if, you know, in summer league, if, if he were to get drafted, um, you know, well, obviously by any team, but, you know, specifically the Mavericks. And I, I think it could really be uh, one of the, you know, biggest safe havens for him to go to in terms of, you know, when he needs to get a bucket, uh, what can he um, go to? I, I think that that'll be his biggest thing. His rookie year is figuring out what his, you know, sort of default um, offensive, you know, cog that he can kind of fill from, you know, a creation or a shooting aspect. How, how can I get a bucket when it matters? And, you know, that'll be something that evolves throughout his career, but if he has to evolve that in terms of his mid range and three point shooting, I mean, this guy, you know, his, his ceiling is uh, through the, through the roof uh, figuratively and literally. Um, so Jared, you know, we, we've talked at nauseum about this guy's, you know, positive negatives um, honestly kind of talked about his role in the Mavericks and how it would uh, relate to Luca and Kyrie. He'd obviously be, you know, that ultimate sort of three and D, you know, quote unquote wing, if you will, that's, you know, going to come in likely start um, next to those guys run the floor and uh, just try to fill in the gaps wherever he can. And, you know, just kind of see where his offensive game comes along with that. Of course, what do you think this guy's ceiling and his floor is? Yeah, I think his ceiling, um, you know, I, I think that he has the potential. He honestly has one of the higher potentials in this draft. Uh, if everything were to hit, of course, I think that he would probably be one of the better guys in the league, uh, probably a consistent all-star. Um, not saying that this would be his role by any means, but, you know, I think he'd be an excellent two guy similar to Clay Thompson. Um, I, I just think that he, his abilities, his sort of playmaking and, you know, the offensive skill that he could possibly achieve. And on top of that, his defense is amazing. I think that if, if all of that sort of equates and all of the things that are developing do develop, um, and I think that he'd become one of the best sort of all around players in this league. Um, and similar to his brother, uh, if, if both of them rather, that would be absolutely incredible. I think that's sort of his ceiling, um, which would probably be a consistent two guy on any roster that he'd be put on. Um, and not just that, but, you know, adding that to his floor, uh, you know, he probably has one of the more higher bust potentials in this draft, because again, we don't know what we're getting out of him uh, being that they're from OTE. There is a lot of questions there. Um, their pro availability, everything along the lines of that. Um, I, I think that he probably has one of the more high bust potentials. Um, so I think, you know, sort of his floor would be a, a role player um, where, you know, maybe not one dimensional by any means, but just kind of lacks the ability to shoot um, and is really restricted by that alone, um, especially offensively. Like, I think he's going to be one of the better defensive candidates um, in the league. For years to come uh you know once that sort of develops and everything after those first few years in the league uh i do think that he'll probably be one of the best defenders in the league granted uh but you know offensively i think that he could be limited let's say he doesn't sort of achieve his uh shot diet um even his playmaking doesn't sort of you know go to par like i, I think that he would be much more sort of restricted in the things that he could possibly be uh or could possibly do but i think that at the very worst he's probably going to be a role player um you know definitely more defensive minded uh, probably coming off the bench for some sort of, you know, team. I, I don't know, but that's absolutely like his floor. Uh, and yeah, like I said, his ceiling, I think he'd be an excellent two guy. I, I just don't think he has the ability to become a star. Now I may spoil my words here in a few years, but um, I, I just don't think he's that sort of number one guy that can lead his team to a championship. But do you, what do you mean by that? Like, cause oh, I, again, we guy. haven't seen it. Do you think he could but... be 
Do you think he could be an all-star or do you just think not think? Yeah, he, I think he could be an all-star. I think he's going to be a one, a player on a championship team is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Yes. But again, yeah. we haven't seen enough. I don't know. Um, you know, I think after his rookie year, a lot will tell. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, that's my sort of prediction is that he, at the very best he could be, he is going to be a, a multi-time all-star, like I said, uh, and just an excellent two guy on any roster. So, uh, but yeah, definitely his ceiling. I think he could be much more restricted on that shooting or the lack of shooting. Um, and, you know, let's say the playmaking doesn't sort of equivalent to uh, the NBA level. I think that we could definitely see a drop off there. Um, or if everything doesn't develop, like I said, there could be a drop off. Um, and yeah, I think that could restrict his game pretty immensely. Um, but like I said, I, I don't think that there's going to be, you know, anything where he's out of the league in a few years or anything like that. Like, I don't think he'll have that big of a drop off. Um, but I, I just think, you know, his game is much more developmental, um, especially on the offensive end. And if he does sort of come to that, like I said, I think that'll be his ceiling, uh, his floor, not saying it's a bad floor, um, but compared to what he could or what he could have been, um, it's probably a pretty low floor. Yeah. Uh, my, my flow, my, my floor rather is even a little lower. I would say if I, if I had to project for him, because, you know, I, I even think that you can attribute some of, you know, how good he was on defense uh, to some of the competition he was playing, you know, his ability to kind of just freelance on the floor, NBA, you know, offensive players could easily kind of scout out when his trap is coming or when he's, you know, coming from the weak side and, you know, still be able to maintain possession of the ball. So for reasons of that nature, I would say his, uh, his floor is like, you know, maybe like a Greg Brown, the third type player, like, you know, a guy that was multi, you know, very uber talented coming into high school, college, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the lack of, de- uh, you know, just kind of discipline offensively and, um, you know, defensively was something that come came back to bite him and he had to kind of just rely strictly on his athleticism. Now, I just think he I, I think that he's just too savvy of an athlete to, um, and, you know, just a basketball player in general in terms of how hard he works for that to, you know, be. Uh, the scenario that kind of occurs here, but I do think that there's an off chance if things uh, were just, you know, to go completely off kilter for him uh, that, you know, he's kind of relegated to one of those guys. It's just the, you know, the sort of flyer athlete, uh, you know, wing on every team that has a lot of potential to evolve into something, but it's just going to be completely predicated upon how much they can develop the other areas of their, of their game. And, you know, like you said, his, his ceiling, I think, is is through the roof. Um, think of any three and D, um, you know, two way wing in today's game, whether it be like Paul George. Um, I'm bluffing in terms of trying to find Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, yeah, like I mean, he, he's he's of that pedigree. So if things are to pan out for him in terms of, um, you know, just his whole like his basketball fluidity, that's the best way I could describe it. Um, you know, when you watch this guy, so it'll be real intriguing to see exactly what happens. Uh, like last podcast where we did the draft profiles, we're going to be diagnosing a boom and bust rating for every guy that we do. And for Azair, of course, um, you know, we, me and Jaron, obviously kind of just talked in this last five or 10 minute segment or whatever, uh, just how volatile he is as a player, um, in terms of where we think his career could pan out. So in terms of my boomer bust rating, I would probably go. Uh, like a nine on this one this might you know nine nine point five uh this is the more you know one of the more got more just extreme cases in this draft of a guy that could end up you know end up at either side of you know the extremes on the totem pole 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I I would digress a little bit. I'd probably go with an eight or a seven and a half, just because again, yes, his ceiling is so high, but his floor again is very low. Um, not saying that that floor will happen or anything like that, but you know, there is definitely some risk to be taken there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, uh, honestly, I, I do agree with what you said though. Um, and his ceiling, you know, as we said before, I think, uh, we could be looking at, you know, everyone in, you know, everyone goes through these amazing drafts and always does a redraft. Uh, you know, Luca goes number one, all that sort of thing. I think that, you know, in five years time or whatever, assuming everything does work out, he could probably be a guy that jumps up into that three spot um with victor and sort of scoot um and not saying that's an amazing thing because it's you know not what it is going to be but i'm just saying he could possibly be sort of this number three guy head spearing or uh uh, sort of headlining this draft um and yeah i mean there could be a lot of teams that look at this and probably uh ask what they were thinking but again you know there could be some teams thinking that oh i'm glad i didn't take this shot because again he is a big risk he is a big risk for any roster um because of his sort of upside and his sort of bust potential but um yeah I think we probably say this share the same uh in terms of that boomer bust rating you know I know you said a nine and I went with like an eight but uh I I feel like we have pretty similar um reasons as to why yeah and then for our NBA player comparison we both labeled uh Andrew Wiggins you know Wiggins may be a little bit bigger body at this stage in his career but um you see we we wanted to kind of find the middle ground I guess in terms of how you know high his ceiling is but as well as how low his floor is and you know I thought Andrew Wiggins was pretty emblematic of that a guy who's had you know very high expectations coming in uh kind of fizzled out was you know maybe asked to do a little bit too much but you know once he was relegated to being more of a you know pseudo shot creator a guy who you know can pull up for a mid-range jump shot or get to the rim uh when he really needs to but it's not something essentially the team requires from him Um, And it, you know, gives him the ability in that Golden State system to kind of just focus more on defense. I think that's the sort of middle ground you're looking at when we talk about Ozier Thompson in terms of, you know, what, you know, if he doesn't end up at, you know, both sides of the, you know, extreme side of the spectrum, you know, we could see some sort of, you know, career trajectory on that uh, sort of path for him. But, you know, obviously it's pointless to predict exactly what's going to happen because these guys are also raw. Also young, we earnestly, you know, really don't have a clue, but uh, I, you know, did think that that guy was, you know, the sort of mean value in terms of Andrew Wiggins uh, when we're looking at guys to that are comparable uh, from an NBA perspective to Ozair Thompson. Um, so, you know, with that being said, that flushes the Ozair Thompson draft profile away. Uh, out of all the guys we talked about, definitely another one of the more captivating prospects uh, we've looked at, a guy that if he were to drop to 10, uh, the Mavericks would, you know, definitely probably have some hesitancy before they picked up the phone and made a trade uh, just because of, you know, what he could provide um, in the ensuing years. You know, he's he's not as highly touted as his brother, but I mean, guy is still definitely a freak athlete. And I mean, at the end of the day, the Mavericks have not had enough athletes uh, within the past 10 or 15 years, especially, you know, in this year's rendition of the team, you know, Josh Green probably only guy that's scratching you know maybe 35 36 inches on a vertical jump test so uh, maybe throw Jaden Hardy in there too if if we're talking about running vertical jump uh standing one you know there's a lot of guys on the team that um are are maybe might be maybe toast from that perspective besides you know good old Dwight Powell I feel like he could get up there for the one time um but other than that we are going to go ahead and head into 
the draft profile for Grady Dick, uh, 6'8", 200-pound forward out of Kansas. Um, I think that after Christian Braun's recent success last night winning the NBA championship, I know we didn't mention the first segment, but of course the Nuggets won the championship, so shout out to them. Um, definitely not the you know most exciting finals, I think, of the last few years, but... I do think that they established, you know, just how serious and uh, competitive that group and that roster that they've built over there is. And, uh, you know, showcased how, you know, you can essentially curate a roster around one or two superstars because, you know, I think Jamal Murray is soon going to be entering that tier um, if he's able to, um, you know, carry on what he's been doing during the playoffs ever since his knee is kind of fully healed here. Uh, into next year's regular season, you know, how, how, how can an NBA roster essentially best curate um, their role players around that? You know, you get, you see a sort of class a masterpiece there with what the Denver nuggets have done um, and just how uh, dynamic really all the guys in that lineup are in terms of, you know, attacking off closeouts in terms of cutting in terms of shooting uh, everybody is extremely locked in, uh, you know, around those two uh, centripetal d- uh, driving forces and Jokic and Murray. And, you know, that that's the that's the blueprint right there for the Mavericks uh, behind Doncic and Irving. So that's why, you know, this this draft and, you know, these draft profiles that we're talking about here are so important because if the Mavericks were to somehow screw up this 10th pick, uh, whether it be, you know, in the manner in which they traded it or um, who they actually selected, uh, it could have huge ripple effects in terms of how the future of the franchise is perceived, how. Luca perceives the future of the franchise. Um, it, you know, they already got lucky enough to to retain it. You know, they they wouldn't ever dare have enough lucky, you know, enough luck to be able to move up in the draft, as you know, since they never have moved up in the draft lottery in franchise history. But you know, this is obviously something that they can't waste. You know, hence why I can't stress the importance of this enough here. Um, so you know, let, with that being said, let's get into. Uh, the Mavericks' best prospect they could select in this draft and Grady Dick here. Um, There there was obviously some loaded sarcasm there for you guys that couldn't catch that. But, uh, I mean, nonetheless, Grady Dick, I think, is, you know, kind of being labeled as, you know, that that one sort of white shooter uh, that just, you know, shouldn't be in the realm of consideration for a team that, um, you know, really needs defense, really needs rim protection, he doesn't feel, you know, fill any of those immediate voids maybe as much as some of these other guys on this list, but he still does have some six eight. Uh, I mean, some uh, defensive upside. You know, he's six eight with about a seven foot wingspan. Um, he's definitely not a trapezoid. He has, uh, you know, really good length to him. He, you know, is a pretty sound uh, basketball defender. Uh, he has a really good defensive IQ um, in terms of you know being at the right spot on the floor when he needs to be he makes good rotations uh you know in the same vein that you know when a guy that we talked about earlier with Azir um he you know is a really good off ball defender but you know a lot of his you know mishaps are going to come in terms of you know being a low post defender especially you know at that 6869 frame he, he's probably going to get switched on to a lot more bigger guys maybe um at times and you know does he even have the base or you know, the wherewithal to be able to sort of withstand against those sort of guys in terms of them uh, attacking his hip or, you know, them posting, posting him up that those are going to be like huge questions for him. 
Um, but he's a decent recovery defender with his length. His length, there uh, were a few times that he kind of got beat off, beat off a of blow buys where he was able to kind of recover uh, to knock the ball loose in some sort of capacity. So, like I said, very savvy, very smart on that end. Um, but obviously, the the lack of you know lateral quickness at the point of attack, um, as well as you know just an overall need for improvement in terms of his strength and athleticism overall for the NBA level are going to be the hugest questions uh, going into that. You know, he could get away with some of those sort of recovery tactics in college. Will he be able to get away with the NBA? Uh, that's going to, you know, we'll just have to see how that plays out because this is a guy that could be, you know, an above average defender, I think, coming in if everything were to click right and he adds a little size uh, before heading into the league and, you know, takes real good care of his body and is, you know, still extremely serious and diligent about that side of things. But, you know, if he comes in and treats us the wrong way, you know, this is a guy that, you know, we could be looking at like a Davis Bertans uh, level defender here if things were to go haywire. So what are your thoughts on on Dick, Jaron, uh, in terms of his defense? Yeah, you know, I think I think Grady Dick uh, in terms of defense, um, there's definitely more questions than answers. Um, you know, he is a, a decent one on one defender, but with his size, he's going to be asked to defend a lot of the bigger guys in this league. And as you said, you know, there isn't a lot of masters and a lot of muscle on his body. Um, and, you know, likely he probably would be bullied in those sort of scenarios. He'd be bullied down low. Um, his lack of, I, I think that makes him actually um, very less switchable uh, within a system. I think that, you know, you'll definitely be playing a lot more scram defense if that is the case where he has switched on to some sort of these bigger guys. I think Aaron Gordon, shout out to the Denver Nuggets. I think Aaron Gordon would take, um, you know, sort of, huge uh leaps and bounds over this guy he would he would um, grab him by the throat and then slam him into yeah. extension essentially <laughs> exactly yeah um but yeah you know i think that those uh questions on defense are definitely um they're, they're definitely valid uh his you know sort of lack of athleticism or not athleticism by any means he's honestly pretty athletic for his size and he's for uh for what he does but um lack of defensive athleticism is probably the best yeah, way i would just say, say like lack of lateral quickness he, he's yeah, let, yeah decent you know kind of line to line straight line speed guy and he can he he covers maybe he's not the best vertical leaper but he covers a lot of ground yeah uh, you know with his stride when he leaps so he, he's took off from you know pretty far on a few of these dunks um you know throughout this past season with kansas um but yeah, just improving those sort of intangibles. And, you know, these these are all things that he can improve upon. Um, he can definitely become like a much better athlete. He has a good frame. He has really good length. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people um, automatically are kind of, kind of, you know, label him as the unathletic white guy or whatever. And, you know, I think that those labels are kind of fair and somewhat applicable right now, but um I wouldn't say that he has like a Luca body type to where, you know, he has only a certain ceiling that he's, you know, kind of relegated to athletically. I, I do think that there are levels to this to which he can improve. And I think it would be most beneficial to his NBA game, uh, you know, based on the sort of movement shooting style that he has. If he could, you know, develop on both sides of the ball, uh, you know, you're looking at a pretty transcendent three and D player here, you know, almost a carbon copy of like a, a Clay Thompson if he were to, you know, if he were to improve around the margins athletically, um, you know, just get to the stage of, um, you know, at least like Clay Thompson 
esque where he can, you know, be a really good cutter, which he already honestly kind of is. Um, he's he's really good at uh, you know, sort of, you know, rejecting pin downs and kind of faking out on them, um, and just finding the different cutting lanes within the half court offense. Uh he is just very savvy in terms of his understanding of spacing within the half court offense. Uh he he really could be a tried and true, you know, three and D. Uh, movement shooter if things were to pan out defensively but you know as you know i i noted for obvious reasons those defensive concerns are are going to be huge because this is not a guy that you know may have the time this offseason to come in and automatically you know be a defensive stopgap uh for the mavericks you know once they enter training camp this is definitely a guy that could take uh maybe a couple years before that game um you know on that side of things leases is that it's full, you know, you know, amplification that, that may not be something that, you know, he's going to have NBA ready in my opinion, that, that could definitely, um, you know, hurt his selection with the Mavericks going forward. But I mean, look, they worked him out. So it's just, you know, something that we're obviously going to have to see about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, they're definitely, as we said before, there's a lot of questions on the defensive end. Um, But, you know, I, I think granted a few years, like you said, um, you know, the, the defense could possibly be there. I think, um, you know, this definitely goes a little bit more in the ceiling and floor category, but at, at the absolute worst, I think that he's probably going to be more of a Davis Breton sort of three-point specialist guy. Um, and at the, absolute, at the absolute very best, he could probably be one of the more versatile three and D guys in this league. Um, but yeah, you know, it, offensively, um, I think that we probably covered all of his negatives. Offensively, though, is where we see the true and real positives. Um, pretty much there is not a hole outside of athleticism um, with Grady Dick's game offensively. Like I said, um, he's a great catch and shooter, great movement shooter, great on the one-on-one scenarios, um, a, a great rebounder uh, for his size and for sort of what he does. Um, a really good effort guy. Um, and, you know, like I said, uh, it, he's probably the best uh, shooter in this draft, you know, for any kids out there listening to this, I doubt that there is, but, for any kids out there that's listening to this, probably model your jump shot after Grady Dick because it is one of the more mechanically sound jumpers in this league uh, or coming into this league, I should say. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's just an all around really good offensive player. Uh, you know, like I said, from the three point line is sort of where his game sticks out uh, compared to others. But, um, you know, he also does the sort of little things inside the paint, uh, as I mentioned before, rebounding, effort plays, 50-50 balls, all of that. Um, it, it's sort of something that you can definitely look at and see the potential there. Um, you know, he's a great off-ball cutter, as we said, a great off-ball mover, um, fills the spaces comp- uh, very well. He's honestly understands half-court spacing probably better than Osler Thompson, as we mentioned before, and he understands it very well. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, this guy is an all-around offensive IQ sort of guy. Uh, if he can sort of just develop a defensive game, uh, that's sort of where his sort of ceiling caps, or not, not ceiling, but that's sort of where his floor is in question. Um, but yeah, you know, I think he's definitely one of the more all around sort of offensive guys. Um, and it, he does lack a little bit of creativity in the one-on-one. Um, but if he can find some sort of athleticism there, maybe, uh, I don't know if about lose some weight, but put some, put on some muscle, um, you know, possibly get some athleticism in the questions there. He is a young player after all, uh, then there could definitely be uh, a scenario where he sort of is, you know, a creative one-on-one guy where he can take guys off the dribble uh, maybe do a pull-up midi um, off of like some sort of crossover jab or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now, uh, very fundamentally sound 
uh, which is funny saying for a white guy because that's sort of the sort of uh, stereotype, um, but very fundamentally sound. He, he relies a little bit on the triple threat, a little bit too much, in my opinion. Um, you know, that's sort of where his bread and butter sort of is in the one on one. I just don't think that, you know, using that sort of ability uh, alone in the NBA is going to get him uh, as, you know, or get him anywhere compared to what he got to in college. Uh, but again, you know, I think his shooting alone probably sticks him above and, you know, definitely has him on a few NBA rosters at the very least because of his shooting alone. Uh, but yeah, you know, as we said before, the developmental developmental issues are on the offense or on the defensive thing, rather, or defensive side of the ball, Jesus. Um, and yeah, I mean, if he could uh, sort of get a, a consistency on defense, that's really where uh, we could see this guy elevate above others. Yeah. And I mean, just opening up his bag a little bit more offensively is going to be a huge drawing point for him in terms of uh, just kind of how one dimensional he is at the NBA level. Right. I definitely wouldn't say that he was one dimensional offensively in terms of, you know, only being a guy who can, you know, come off a screen and pull up or catch and shoot. Um, and he had a decent attack off a closeout, had a good, pretty good up fake, um, knocked in a few mid range jump shots because of that, you know, it was a good cutter, obviously, um, showed the ability to, to get to the rim and use his length to finish. Uh, now, even in college, we did see, you know, if he was attacking off a closeout, going to the rim, um, that, you know, the lack of size there, um, you know, could burden him at times. Um, he, he doesn't have, like I said, the most creativity in terms of being able to get himself open one-on-one, uh, a lot of his, you know, scoring that he does is predicated, you know, off fundamentals and, uh, the right scenario kind of being, you know, applied there, right. If, if he, you know, tacks off a closeout as an open mid range jump shot, or if he's just shooting over the top of guys, uh, he, he relies heavily on his repetition and what he, you know, has done in terms of his development of shooting up to this point. Um, but there, you know, in terms of he's, he's definitely not a guy, um, especially, you know, if he, if he has somebody kind of head up on him then, and they've been hawking him down all game, he's, he's not a guy that you want to give the ball to at the end of a shot clock, you know, a guy like Ozier Thompson, I know we didn't really mention this, but he showed a little bit of promise in terms of making some difficult shots, despite, um, you know, his sort of lack of creativity, like we talked in, you know, talked about uh, Grady Dick, you know, as good of a shooter as he is, um, unless, you know, you, you have him coming off of a DHO or it's a sort of designated play, you know, it's just going to be harder for him to uh, really account and furbish for his own offense uh, when there's not a play drawn up. Um, you know, that's when he may struggle a little bit. He, he is a pretty savvy transition player is something I kind of noticed. Um, he, he knows how to run the floor and get to guys. Like I said, he does have a really good, basketball iq but i do think his just lack of an overall you know bag offensively in terms of his handles and his shot creation is something that could burden him um you know at at certain points so we'll have to see how that pans out but one thing you know that really did surprise me in terms of his game was his ability to get those 50 50 balls in terms of the rebounds and stuff like that that you had mentioned jaron especially for a guy that i wouldn't say is the best uh boxer outer he, he does have a sort of nose to the ball, um, understands angles in terms of where, where it's coming off really well and uses his length to go get rebounds. So uh, that there's a lot of offensive positives. And, you know, this guy's fundamental base is so good that if he can just open up his game a little bit more uh, on both sides of the ball, this, you know, could be a, a really, you know, good player coming out. This is a, this you know, he's young still. He was only a sophomore this past year. Um there's a lot of layers to you know how good this guy could be 
uh, yet again um, after, you know, covering Ozier Thompson, the previous profile. But I would say that Grady Dick definitely is a little bit more surefire in terms of, you know, where his baseline floor is. Um, and I, I do think, you know, I wouldn't say that there's a certain cap he can get to because if things were to pan out for him offensively and defensively, um, you know, he could become a really elite player. But I do think it's going to be harder to, you know, override some of the, the you know, sort of deficiencies in his game than it would be for an Ozier Thompson because uh, I, I think, you know, Grady Dick's obviously involving a little bit more, you know, in, in terms of working on his body, um, but also, you know, adding that, uh, you know, just sort of it factor in terms of being able to go get a bucket, um, you know, when need be, you know, by himself, using his handles and his size, things of that nature. Uh, that's going to be something that I think is just going to be a little bit more tough for him to bring along into the league. He does have, you know, a little bit of, a, you know, sort of jab crossover, as Jaren alluded to, and a, and a jumper off that. But it's not, it doesn't cover the most ground I've ever seen. And I think it could be, a little easier to guard, especially at the, you know, the NBA level compared to the college level where we can kind of just use his length advantage in that situation to, um, you know, sort of just shoot, shoot over the top of guys. So, you know, look, just evolving his bag offensively and then, you know, becoming obviously more of a transcendent athletic guy defensively uh, are, are going to be this guy's, you know, keys to becoming, you know, one of the more grade A role players in this draft, but only time will tell to see if he can expand upon, um, you know, those deficiencies. Um, but as is, I, I still think that he has a fairly good baseline, um, even if things don't pan out. If he's able to at least carry over everything that he could do in college, then I'd say that you're looking at a pretty solid role player um, that can, you know, be, you know, maybe not starting for every single team in the league, but uh, can definitely be starting or one of the first guys off the bench for almost any team in the league. One of, you know, I know we wrote down Cam Johnson here. Uh, for the the comparison, um, but one guy that I kind of see here, um, it's kind of sprinkled in his game. I know we're not technically at the comparison part yet, but I, I do see a lot of like Kevin Herter in this guy's game. You know, okay defender, um, but just great cutter, um, great movement shooter is what I would, um, you know, probably try and relate him to for people that really don't know him out there. Yeah, I I don't see second you with that. I think that's a great comparison. I was gonna say something along the lines of a less athletic Michael Porter Jr um just someone you know lengthy uh you know you don't you don't notice the defense but the defense is there um and offensively they're going to get what's theirs um I think that's probably uh, you know both really good comparisons for what his sort of ceiling could be um just to you know at the very highest level you know a, a standout world player at the very lowest uh on his ceiling you know probably a Kevin Herter a guy who's going to produce uh but isn't you know necessarily noticed on that starting five and then at the very worst, I think it's more of a uh, sort of Davis Bertans. You know, he's going to play every now and then, uh, but definitely much, you know, relies very heavy on that three-point shot and offensive creativity. Um, and that's just something that, you know, we've seen nowadays in the NBA just doesn't really equate over a multi-year period. Um, so at the He could definitely worst, have a role in this league, but, you know, yeah, it, yeah. how big is, he, is it going to be would be the question if he were to exactly. sort of pan out to being just a pure movement shooter who – is extremely limited in other categories. And I mean, I, honestly, like I, I do think that his, his ceiling may even be, you know, slightly higher beyond role player. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say all-star tier, but, you know, I think at the high end of things, you know, you could see this guy 
panning out into possibly like a, a Bojan Bogdanovic, you know, am I too far off? Um, and from that standpoint, I don't think that you're too far off, uh, you, you know, athleticism too. Like, uh, I, maybe, uh, you know, Bojan kind of get it, or maybe not a little bit, but like, he's just a little bit more creative than what I think he could be. But yeah, I mean, if everything does hit right, um, you know, that could be honestly a fair comparison. You know, they're, they're, they're fairly on par athletically and, you know, Bojan, yeah. he, he's a guy that, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't speak for how he played in Europe, but, um, he's really, you know, over the course of his NBA career came to mold his, his defense around, um, you know, just of how good conditioning he's, you know, he's kept himself in and, um, you know, just how savvy and, you know, what his basketball IQ is. And, you know, Grady Dick has better athletic tools than him, for instance. Um, but, you know, if things were to really pan out, I, I could see him getting to that uh, sort of tier of things. I, I should have prefaced, you know, maybe more of a, you know, Bojan Bogdanovich, you know, if he were to have entered his prime when he was like 29, uh, comparable to, you know, like 33-year-old Bogdanovich. So, you know, I think he may have, it's kind of debatable, but and completely off topic. But I think Bogdanovich maybe could have had a little, you know, bit of more of a transcendent impact in the NBA if he came over a little bit earlier um, from Europe. So I, I don't know. You know, I, I see that, you know, a lot of different guys kind of sprinkled in here. Um but this is a guy that, you know, in terms of his role um, is going to be, you know, a pure movement shooter is going to be running a lot in offense, a lot of staggers, um, a lot of pin downs are going to get set for him. He's, you know, going to be expected to knock down. And if he doesn't, he's going to fizzle out kind of like a Bertans. But if he's able to capitalize upon his role and expand upon, you know, just that pure shooting, he can attack off a closeout, develop his defense. Uh, this could be a guy that, um, you know, could be starting for the Mavericks. I wouldn't take that out of account if they were to select him at 10. I think there's a world in which he's starting if everything were to go right this year, but um, we would just have to see exactly um, what happens in that regard. I also think that there's a role where he's, you know, not playing like almost whatsoever uh, and is relegated to the G league. So we'll, we'll have to see, but you know, if I had to project exactly where he would fit in, I would say somewhere um, in that six to eight, you know, sort of slot in the rotation if he were to get drafted by the Mavericks. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's honestly very fair for a role. Uh, I think it's someone uh, sort of the, the Bertans that we never got um, where, you know, his offense is going to be there. He's going to have that offensive impact and it's going to be guaranteed impact um, rather, you know, compared to Bertans, like, you know, you're going to get it, but is it going to be that kind of night? Uh, you just don't know. Um, I think, you know, he's definitely going to be much more of a rotational guy compared to that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that's probably pretty fair. If he were going to be on this Mavericks roster, it would probably be in that six to eight range. Uh, and again, I can't preface this, preface this enough, but you know, if the Mavericks do select Chris or not Christian Brown, uh, Jesus, uh, Grady Dick <laughs> with that 10 pick, um, you know, I think that the Mavericks will be making, or at least have trades lined up, um, you know, for the defensive side of things. So I think that, you know, honestly, if the Mavericks were to select him with the 10th overall pick, there'd be a lot of questions for obvious reasons. Um, but you know, we've said this before again, I mean, the Mavericks, uh, probably have a plan, but you never know. Um, but that would well, be they're, they're, they're multiple moves away. It's not just exactly like, Mavericks can't Mavericks aren't solving all the, as much as we're going to, you know, talk about these guys, they're not solving all their issues through one player. So, you know, you would hope at least, um, maybe they are, I, I don't know. I, I'm, <laughs> done. I'm done. I'm done to depending on them to, you know, fix my mental health. It's, it's not a battle that is worth fighting, but, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of Grady Dick, um, this is obviously a guy that, you know, could really be a serviceable role player in this league. 
Um, you know, these Kansas guys um, out here that Bill Self's producing out here winning chips, you know, Christian Braun, you know, another white guy that I think a lot of people kind of threw under the bus, um, you know, went, I believe, you know, 20 or so last year in the draft. And I mean, he is a starter, you know, role player uh, or not starter, but I mean, he's, you know, in that six to eight slot on a championship team, that's, you know, what I think Grady Dick could do if, if things were to come into fruition for him. But, you know, he obviously does have some, you know, sort of bust potential associated with him. Jaron, what would you uh, sort of diagnose his boom and bust rating to be? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, uh, you know, probably at the 10 pick or, you know, even beyond the 10 pick, he's probably uh, much more of what you're expecting to get, you know, a role player uh, or a standout role player at the very best, you know, not someone who's going to start or going to be a star or anything. So um, I would probably go with a, you know, probably like a seven um, or six and a half in that rating, just because he's much more of a sort of safe player uh, in the sense that if he hits, he's going to be uh, a guy that you kind of need on a championship roster. If he doesn't hit, you know, it's going to be a nice icing on top to have some shooting there. Um, and at the very worst, he could be out of the league in a few years. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's probably generally a safe pick for any team other than Dallas. Um, and I mean, that's saying a lot, but, you know, every team needs shooting. Uh, every team needs sort of a a long sort of three-point shooter, three and D sort of guy. Um, so, you know, there are some uh, sort of intangibles in his game that if he can um, sort of progress and develop, uh, he'll definitely be higher in higher standards compared to, you know, kind of what we're talking about him right now. But um, if everything does hit, I, I like I said, I think I could see him being one of the better role players in this league that a championship team has to absolutely have. Uh, but at the very worst, you know, probably out of the league in a few years, um and you know at the very worst if he wants to stay in the nba it's going to have to be in sort of a davis bertans type role where he's just sort of used uh for his shooting and shooting only yeah no most definitely i think that uh kind of covers it in terms of grady dick um do you have anything else in terms of the guys we've covered today or uh your excitement for the draft coming up here in nine days jaren yeah i'm honestly really pumped for the draft i think uh the draft is honestly, it's sort of like the symbolic turning over the page into the next season. Um, you know, you kind of have nine days to celebrate or I guess, you know, rather get sad in your emotions at Denver one. Um, I, mean, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't I, say it's well, sad. I, I'd say it's more like nine days to relax for, for most. It is nine days to relax. Yeah. Yes. For us, it's nine days to bust out a lot of content. Yes. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah. Well, again, I mean, shout out to Denver, like they definitely well-deserved uh, in dominant fashion. But um, yeah, I mean, this is sort of that nine day period where uh, you're transitioning into next year. So once the draft comes along, um, you know, it's going to be it's insane that it's nine days away. I can't believe that. But um, I'm honestly really I'm ready for it at this point. Yeah, no, me too. I'm excited to get into it. We're going we're gonna to continue to get these player profiles out for you. Uh, you can catch all of our content being output on Twitter at mainstream underscore or ma- just mainstream two one four at mainstream two one four is our Twitter. Make sure to follow us on YouTube or subscribe rather. Um, mainstream Mouse Podcast on YouTube. Comment down below. Who would you rather pick between Ozier Thompson or Grady Dick? If you are Nico Harrison, the Dallas Mavericks general manager, or the um, sort of a pseudo general manager, shadow GM Mark Cuban, you you know whoever you think the GM is, who would you pick uh, if you were him? Also, uh, make sure to um, follow us or give us a five-star rating and give us a good review. If you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any ad- other additional uh, podcast li- uh, you know, listening platform, we would really appreciate it. 
Uh, thank you for guys for listening this far. And the podcast has been Will with Mainstream Mavs. Uh, we really appreciate it. We will catch you guys in the next draft profile.